2: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: good evening everybody how y'all doing welcome to the show got a great show planned for you we're going to start the show by talking about ways to regulate our nervous system i know it sounds a little dry but it's not and it's something we all need to learn why because dysregulation runs rampant it's probably something i work with every single patient or couple that comes into my practice uh exclusively or at some point in the uh you know um time that we 're working together, we talk about nervous system regulation so we 're going to get into that and then uh, don't worry though it's going to get a little spicy in the second hour we 're going to talk about how to spice things up for those of you that are vanilla, because uh, you might just be a little vanilla erotically, but that doesn't mean that there aren't ways that you can still kind of push on that creativity without having to become a full-blown kinkster. Nothing wrong with that, though, and if that's the path for you, godspeed. But uh, some of us are like, no, we're vanilla, and we're going to stay within that lane, but there are ways to still sprinkle some toppings on that vanilla ice cream to jazz it up a bit, because uh, for those of us that are in... um, I don't know why I keep saying us... I'm going to make it about y'all. For those of y'all that are in monogamous relationships, your limits are your partner's limits. So uh, it's really important to be able to add some newness, novelty, and diversity to that system. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, why does this matter? Well, because our nervous system is what tends to throw us off and what tends to be needing some attention and care uh, so that we can calm and soothe ourselves. Uh, It's a really important part of our biology and our uh, psychology now here's the thing a lot of our issues within uh emotionality mental health psychology uh can be traced back to early trauma some negative belief systems and all sorts of things that are about unprocessed emotions and stress stress and trauma and the place where we feel it the most all of those things that have occurred is in our bodies but it is specifically within our nervous systems And so that's where we wanna really focus our work and our attention. Our nervous system is what responds and kicks into action when something is making us feel threatened or dangerous. Um, That's our sympathetic nervous system, Um, fight or flight. Um, Our vagal system is what we wanna have kicking in, and that's when we're attached to someone and we're stepping into our relational cells and we're very co-regulated and soothed by someone. Um, But some of us live in a chronic state of stress and nervous system activation, and that's when you're constantly getting sick, you're feeling overwhelmed. Um, And this can be misdiagnosed. Sometimes it is you not learning how to cool down your system, it's hyperactivated and uh, instead maybe you're being told you have anxiety or you have depression and it's like no i have to learn how to better work with my nervous system due to earlier events and stressors and traumas it's always it's always on it's hypersensitive to any perceived threat and you go right into fight or flight or fawning or freezing Um, and so we want to talk about how we can work with that better so what we really want to work on is our autonomic nervous system to uh, create more peace we want it to have uh, be more robust and more, ros- more resilient. More importantly though, we're always trying to expand on its bandwidth. We want it to be able to tolerate more. We're always, as humans, trying to expand our window of tolerance, being able to handle more. Um, lots getting thrown at us. So what are the different ways we can soothe that system? That's, I'm gonna keep using that word soothing, calming, <laughs> anchoring. Uh, first thing is taking time away from technology. Um, that is not the best place for us. It is for some a coping mechanism and a distracting tool, but, uh, going out into nature is one of the most soothing things we can do. I told this story on the show before I will share it with you again, because it directly ties into this. There is a vitamin store that I love going to, and I've built a great relationship with one of the gentlemen who, um, runs the vitamin and, uh, health department of this health food store. And I went in there one day. Hyperactivated, completely overwhelmed, stressed, stress, stressed, my poor adrenal glands. I was burnout. And of course, like a good American, I said, Gimme a pill. I want a quick fix. I want a pill. Just give me a pill. Everyone just wants a quick pill. Just fix it. No one wants to do the long, hard work. No one wants to work with their nervous system. No one wants to learn better coping skills. No one wants to learn how to set boundaries or walk away from toxic, you know, jobs and relationships. Just give me a pill. That's what some companies are doing. We'll just like throw in some yoga so you can get back to your desk and keep producing. It's like, that's not a solution. One of the, So what this um, <clears throat> individual said to me, as I'm in there in my stressed state, completely burnout, Uh, probably pounding tons of coffee to just push through because when our systems need a break, instead of saying, wow, I'm really tired or I'm overwhelmed, I need to nap. I need to go for a walk. I need to take a break. I need to make my work day be over. Instead, we're like, nah, just pound some more coffee and push through. That is the opposite. You are further stressing an already stressed system. Please do not just push through. Listen to your body when your body's saying, I'm tired, I'm burnt out, I can't focus anymore, I need to move or I need to be done with work for the day. Please honor that. Do whatever you need to do. Close your office door and put on some music. Close your office door and turn off the lights. Go for a walk, Uh, leave for the day. Um, Tell your family members, I'm gonna go into the bathroom and close the door and take a bath, leave me alone. Put on the music in there, go take a nap, go for a walk, go sit in your car, go for a drive. We're we're trying to get away from the triggers, not learn how how to stay within them and cope. Um, we're actually going to step away and we're going to come back and we're going to come get back into this nature piece. Cause I'm, I didn't get to even finish my story. Time is flying by. Um, and then we're going to be doing some DMS at some point. So as always, if you got a DM, drop those DMS in the DMS on our Loveland IG page, questions, topics, things like that. But, um, we'll be back. So, uh, stick around. You're listening to Loveland with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. Be right back.
0: shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast.
1: Oh, Rachel, we're back. And I was in the middle of telling a story, got a little sidetracked, talking tonight about nervous systems, how we need to work on regulating and soothing ours, and also identifying sometimes an overloaded, overworked, stressed out nervous system as the actual issue. Not that you just need a little more caffeine or you need to work harder. Uh, It's that you need to give yourself a break. So I was telling you about how, like a good American, I want quick, easy answers sometimes. Just give me a pill. I don't want to actually have to do anything that transforms myself or changes the actual situation or, you know, eliminates the problem. Um, So I went into this health food store that I frequent, and I was in there overloaded, stressed out, probably pounding tons of caffeine. I was like, I'm burned out. I'm tired. It's my adrenal glands. Give me a pill. Give me a pill. Again, thinking I just am going to keep going. We're always just trying to push through. No, we need to like back off of, which is why I'm always telling us we need more rest. Everyone is so obsessed with optimization. I'm gonna get that perfect gym body and I'm gonna have this crazy schedule where I'm up at five and at the gym by six and at work, at my desk by seven, and then I come home and I meal prep. And it's like, we need more rest. We don't need to be doing more. We need to be working less, less labor, less social labor, less emotional labor, less physical labor. We need to rest more. We need more fun and joy in our lives. Please stop working as much. Take more days off. Focus more on joy and pleasure. People's minds are blown when I say that. I was doing this thing over New Year's Eve. I was with a bunch of people I didn't really know well, and they wanted to go around and talk about their goals for the new year. Every single person's goal was about more labor, more stress. I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna work on this. My answer is the opposite. I'm trying to do less, I said. I'm trying to be content with just what I have. I'm trying to work as little as possible. I'm trying to rest more and do more fun, pleasure, and joy. People's minds were blown because people have shame about saying, I want more joy in my life, more pleasure, work less. People usually are like, but that sounds lazy. I'm like, no, that's actually mental health. You sound completely ridiculous saying you want more work, more labor, more stress. Less, please. So I went into the vitamin store. Luckily, this person is absolutely brilliant and said to me, Dude, when is the last time your bare feet touched nature? You need to go into some nature. You need to start grounding yourself, soothing your nervous system. And I was like, Prow! went to the beach immediately, took my shoes off, planted them in the sand. And from there forward, I always track. When's the last time I was in nature? When's the last time my bare feet touched raw earth versus socks and you know linoleum or whatever it is we have on our floors and pavement. Like touch some bare earth. Stop doing so much. Back off of all of it. So spending time in nature is one of the number one things we can tell you. At least 10 minutes of your bare feet on the ground. Go for a walk. Go camping. Go play. Go exercise. I don't even care. Just go outside. We undervalue nature as evidenced by the fact that our earth is on fire and in cooler seasons we are having extreme heat waves like what's going on in LA right now. It should not be as hot as it is. But bigger than that, I'm talking about mental health and our nervous systems, we need to be backing off and not stressing more. Please drink less caffeine and rest more. (laughs) If you're tired, sleep. (laughs) Don't push through. But that's the first tip. Take a break from everything, unplug from technology, and go spend time in nature. Put your phone down, stop swiping on TikTok endlessly, and go outside. And don't take it with you outside. Go outside and just look around, hear things, smell things, touch things every single day as much as possible our systems are burnt out so extending that further trying to center rest and soothing and calming our systems go spend time in water or take a bath not everyone has access to a pool or the ocean if you do awesome especially if you have access to the ocean. It's all of the things we're talking about. Take in the beauty of it all. Be reminded of what matters most. Be soothed by it. Hear the ocean. Smell the ocean. See the ocean. If you can't do that, at least climb in the damn tub. Float around. Turn the lights off. Maybe play some soothing music. Maybe don't. Turn the lights off. What we're trying to do is remove all and as much stimulation as possible. So we're tracking the senses with that. Um some people are also they do things called sound baths. I don't know if your area has that, but music can be very healing in that way. And you can do some guided meditations, some guided sound baths, supposedly those exist. I didn't even think of that, but here in LA there are places and spaces we can go where they I don't remember what the exact instrument is, but a sound bath is a is it's quite it's actually quite powerful, quite fascinating. You lay down on your back on a soft blanket. And usually, the good ones are done in spaces. There's actually a really great place in Joshua Tree, where um, it's a circular room, but not always, most likely not. And the sound just circles and vibrates and goes in and out and through your body. It's really, really beautiful, really powerful, really soothing. So things like that are great. The key word I keep using is soothing. Um, breath work. You know, breath is something, and some breath work I teach some patients in my practice. It's the most direct and powerful way to soothe our nervous system. It's the only way, generally, that we can access it as quickly. If your thinking's uh, chaotic, so's your breath. If your breath is chaotic, so is absolutely your thinking and your emotions. They're all very connected and paralleled. And so if you can pick up on the one, you realize you're off with the others. And so breathing can anchor us and calm us down and soothe us. Slow, deep breaths. I can do a whole show on breathing, but I'm just gonna kind of throw that out there in a general sense, really focus on the breath and working with the breath. Do it as often as you can throughout the day. Anytime I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, and you'll even notice that some people naturally do it. You'll see people in a very difficult moment <sighs> without even realize they're doing it. That is them <laughs> unconsciously trying to settle and slow and soothe. You know, it's like the wisdom of the body. If we just let it does what it need, you know, let it do what it needs to do. Let it do what it needs to do. Is that how you say that? Um, so. There's different breathing techniques as well. You can Google, you can find apps. Um, So I'm not going to get into all the different forms, but breathwork is one of, like I said, the most um, robust and also one of the most direct ways to really soothe our system. Some people are not even aware that they're always engaging in shallow breathing. Um, And that is, again, them having an overworked system where they need to really engage in deeper breathing um so pay attention to that check in on that um try that that's really 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 helpful um all right coming up next we're going to keep talking about ways to soothe our nervous system this is what's important in our dysregulated culture there's so much going on around us we're all in multiple relationships we have job stress family stress these are things we need to be able to do to take care of ourselves so we're going to hit that and then we'll be doing some dms and then we'll be dropping into uh how to kink it up if you're not kinky meaning how do you stay vanilla for those that are vanilla, but still want a little creativity and diversity. We got you covered, we'll talk about that later in the show. So stick around, you're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just finishing up our conversation on how to work with the nervous system. It's an important part of physical health, but more importantly tonight, we're talking about emotional and mental health. If your nervous system's dysregulated as a result of stress, trauma, Mindlessness, well, these are ways we can bring ourselves back into our bodies and ground ourselves. We were talking about just getting out into nature. One of the most accessible things for most of us, beautiful, get your feet on the bare earth. If you can even get into the body of natural water, awesome. Or just turn off the lights and climb into the tub. But every day, get your bare feet touching the bare earth somehow, get out in nature, soothes us, it grounds us. It also reminds us what's most important, takes us out of ourselves. Um, Also talking about sound baths. Sound, as I've talked about on the show before, is very healing. Again, we can listen to music that drops us deeper into things we want to feel. Maybe it lifts us out of what we're feeling. Um, also, really good for us general. And that's why sound baths are such an immersive thing. If you haven't done one, try to track one down. And then I was talking about working with the breath. Such a vital way to access that nervous system and to soothe it directly and really robustly. Uh, movements, another good one. Sometimes you have to discharge all of that built up stress and energy. And sometimes you'll naturally see that. I've seen some clients when they're really overwhelmed or doing deep trauma work, needing to get up and move or do push-ups or enact certain motions. We wanna let that energy discharge and complete these defensive maneuvers that maybe we've blocked or have been stunted. Um, and that's why I like just dancing. Uh, what is it, Tai Chi, different forms of yoga, some somatics are really good about getting us more familiar, tapping into that. But again, movement. Sometimes you have to get up and move. It's not always about breathe and center and sit still. No, sometimes it's I need to jog, I need to do a push up, I need to shake this off. And you'll see animals do that. After an animal's been chased, them trying to kill them. They need to shake off and discharge that energy. Um, so think about that. You know, What are some different kinds of movement that I can do? Then we talk about just exposure to temperatures, uh, hot showers, cold showers, cryotherapy, jumping into cold tubs in the ocean. All of that is an interesting way. I've never done any of that. I've never really felt um, connected to any of that. So. I can't speak much to that. We also have things like acupuncture and chiropractics, which are some alternative ways of kind of working with ourselves. And that's the thing. I'm a big fan of alternative forms of medicine and healing. Uh, I I am not naive enough or, um, I don't know, you know, so trapped in colonization that I only believe the tools of, you know, white cis hetero American culture are the only legitimate things. Other cultures have very powerful theories and forms of healing and um, alternative methods that are just as rich and you hear about them, shamanism, acupuncture, yoga, you know, even like sound baths and breath work, all of that is not from our culture here, and those are all really powerful things, but we often wanna knock it because it's not as familiar, um, or it's not something that, you know, the Medical Association has signed off on, but other cultures have, and other medical boards have, and other countries center other things. Our diagnoses aren't even universal. They're American diagnoses. A lot of places have sadly adopted our diagnoses, which has led to them shaming, things that used to be a natural, healthy part of their culture. Some cultures speak to the dead. That is normal and natural for them. But over here, we assume that you're psychotic if you're doing that. Um, That's just one example. Other people see psychosis as a form of spirituality and a spiritual breakthrough. And they work with that and hearing voices very differently as well. They do a lot of community care and they see it as Part of spirituality. There's something very beautiful about that, but we pathologize all of that over here. That doesn't make us more correct and them wrong. It's just different. And a lot of people find those other forms far more healing and liberating. Um, herbs, adaptogens, uh, supplements. Work with someone who understands that work though. I wouldn't just start Googling and taking things. Work with someone who's a scholar or an expert in that field. I have the people that who I trust and who I go to. Um, I wouldn't just wing something like that. Um, and then of course there's different forms of therapy. Some people do really well with somatic therapy, which works exclusively with the body and movement. Um, there's a lot out there and some of it depends on where you live and some of it depends on what else is going on in your life and what you specifically need. But there are a lot of different things. We're talking a lot more about psychedelics, ketamine therapy, um, um, ayahuasca. So expect to hear the normalization and more and more of that. There's a lot of medical schools that are doing studies and, but as always, and I did a whole show on it, just make sure you're doing your research so that you're working with people that know what they're doing, um, don't victimize or have questionable boundaries, um, that you're you know, taking high-quality products, check the laws in your state, all sorts of stuff to think about. But um, all that to say, our nervous systems are an important part of our mental health, although we often don't pay attention or track, and sometimes directly targeting and working with our nervous system is really what we most need. Um, so, you know, go back and check that out though. We are channelq.com is where you can go to check out the, you know, if you missed anything, scroll down, look for love line and click on it. Um, it's all there. And then, uh, what we're going to do is coming up next, we're going to do some DMS. So if you got a DM for us, drop that in the DMS on our love line, IG page questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to, because every time you drop a question in there, you're helping other people, you know, we're all learning as you learn. But, um, after that, we're going to come back and talk about for those of us that are vanilla, and still want to have a little creativity and diversity in our sex lives, and we're not just full-on kinksters, uh, how do we bring some some newness and novelty in? Because that is always what's most erotically exciting. So we're going to talk about that. So, um, yeah, don't go anywhere. All right? You're listening to uh, Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We will be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere. all right y'all we are back and now it's time to slide into those dms
0: sliding into the dms
1: this one says hey dr chris i'm writing in for my friend rose she's been with her girlfriend for four years recently the girlfriend came to talk to me and say that she was finally going to propose to rose she told me the way she's going to do it (laughs) so i went to rose and i dropped a hint and she was mortified at the thought of being proposed to in that way, which is on a big screen at a basketball game, which by the way, I've seen a couple of those recently. They are kind of adorable. Everyone seems really excited. First, there's one of them I saw where the girl was like, oh my God, look, we're up there. And the guy was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, but look. And she wasn't seeing the proposal part. And she's like, yeah, we're up there. Yeah. And then finally he, you know, helped her see what he was pointing at. And she lost it in a ha- out of happiness and joy, you know? So I appreciate that a lot of people are like, yeah, that's dynamic. That's exciting. But apparently not for Rose. (laughs) Rose is mortified. I don't know if that means embarrassed or it's too over the top. We're going to find out. So uh, I love that you went and told Rose. I appreciate it. Some of y'all take this stuff so seriously. My God. You know what I mean? That we're like, it's got to be perfect. It isn't. Someone's expressing love for you. Like, let's let's stop trying to make everything so perfect and shiny and neat. And also, I know there's more to come, and I'm going to read the rest of the question in a minute. But I want to also point out that it's not just about Rose. If people are getting married, it's about both parties, okay? And so what the other person wants matters just as much. And I see it more toxically within hetero couples where everyone treats it as though it's just about the bride and the woman. Guess what? Homeboy, the boy, the, 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 the husband... The fiance, it's his wedding too. And his opinions matter as much as yours. You don't get to decide for both of you how the wedding goes. It's also his big day. So your thoughts aren't more important than his. And if he wants to propose a certain way, that's about him. Honor that. And if you don't like it, suck it up and be happy that someone actually wants to be with you and marry you. Y'all get gross, especially when we talk about the size of the rings and the money spent. So classist and obnoxious. I just got to call that out there. I know I come hard on weddings, but it's where I see some people's worst, nastiest behavior. So anyway, sorry, it's a trigger for me. Uh, I don't even know why. <laughs> Because I think love and relationship means more. And it's very classist and elitist and very selfish at times the way people treat it. Anyway, so you told Rose. She was mortified, even though she should be like, wow, I'm just thankful someone actually wants to marry me. Uh, I went back to the friend, but she is not budging on the on the idea. Yeah, she shouldn't. It's her wedding too. It's her proposal as well. She's doing what feels good to her. More props to her. It's not just about Rose. Um, if Rose wants it done differently, Rose should propose to her the way Rose wants a proposal done. They can do two proposals. Not that deep. Anyway, I know this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> what can I do? It's not even technically my place, but I like to save them both the embarrassment. I don't know. I think your friend Rose is kind of a jerk. Um, what? What? What's the disaster? So this person, this girl, is going to propose to her at a basketball game because that's cool and meaningful and exciting to her. And Rose is going to what? Say, no, thank you. Not good enough bam, red flag. I'd be like, you know what? Taking it back. Rose should settle into letting it be done the way that this person thinks it should be done and being happy that someone wants to marry her. And I would advise you to just stay out of it. It's not your job. It's not your monkeys. It's not your circus. Lean out. You did your due diligence. Let it happen the way it happens. You told Rose, you told the other girl, they're both not budging. Let them manage it because relationships are about how we deal with conflict relationships are about how we deal with differences and this counts this definitely counts and so we're gonna learn about everyone's mental health as to how they handle this it's just a proposal seriously we have to stop making it so deep and it's about both of them so if Rose wants it done differently she should propose to the other girl the way she wants it done beat her to the punch but if Rose is getting proposed to then Rose doesn't get to decide how that happens and if she really had a vision, she should have told the girlfriend ahead of time how she would love a proposal to happen so the girlfriend was aware and could decide. So, your question, though, is what should you do? Nothing. You've done all you can do. Stay out of it, you know? And just keep reminding them both it's about love. Don't get thrown off and get hung up on how it's done. It's about love. Focus on the love, focus on the fact that you care about each other. Don't get, you know, distracted by making it about something else. Got a question for us? Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. We are channelq.com, is where you want to go to check out past episodes, though. They're all there. You can binge, post, share, re listen, all sorts of stuff. Go over there and check them out. And uh, stick around. We got a whole lot more to come, y'all. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. You are listening to Loveline. Dr. Chris, Channel Q, and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about how uh, people that identify as more sexually or radically vanilla, how they can still participate in pushing on their edges, getting a little more creative and diverse, but not maybe full-on kinky or ready to get into some BDSM. What are some things that can still happen? Because remember, early in relationships, all we want is consistency and familiarity and we want to be as close as possible, as often as possible, and that's great. That builds trust and security and relationality, but uh, gets in the way of sexuality and eroticism being as robust as it can. In the beginning, it doesn't matter because inherently this person is new. All of this is novel. But the more we get familiar with something, whether it's a song or a food or a movie a little bit of boredom and flatness kind of kicks in inherently it's always has diminishing returns that first bite of ice cream will always be more delicious than the last couple when you're kind of like "Eh, i don't feel so good i don't need to eat anymore i'm gonna throw it away whatever diminishing returns and that's the same thing with sex and eroticism it's just how the world works so it's always about bringing in newness and novelty even in the smallest ways and that will shift our experience but we can't do the same things in the same ways all the time and think that it's going to have a lot of worth and value and excitement and that's why I'm always trying to talk to couples about shifting up their patterns and habits and not always starting the same way, ending the same way, step one, and that's step two, and that's step three. Boring, same day, the t- same day, the time of day, Same. all that boring, 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 boring. So there's nothing wrong with being vanilla. Let me just start by saying that. There's nothing wrong with being someone who's just not as creative or as experienced as someone else. It's all good. Be where you are. And be more confident in the sexuality that you have. But we are all more sexually fluid than we let on because we have to deal with homophobia. If you're straight, oh, you know, only gay people do that. No, nothing is gay. Anything straight people do is straight. Any kind of sex a straight person has is straight people sex. Um, so we're hung up on homophobia. We're hung up on our gender. Oh, guys don't do that. Girls don't do that. We're also hung up on respectability politics. Well, I won't be seen as husband material or as a good mom if I do, blah, blah, blah. We have to get over that. We have to get over slut shaming. Oh my God, they'll think I'm super slutty. We have to get over the fact that people may think you're a sex addict. All of these layers. You have to get over body shame, thinking that you don't have the right body to be able to do something, or thinking that certain body parts are dirty or gross. Oh my God, there's so much in there. It's amazing that anyone gets anything done with all of those layers, toxic masculinity, like sexism, all buried in there, racism, trauma. And so none of us are really leading our true authentic sex lives because a lot of us can't manage and push through all that. We're afraid to disappoint our partners and tell them we don't like what's happening, we don't like the way we look in certain positions, the lighting's too bright, we're trying to people please. None of us are fully and authentically engaging who we are sexually. We kink shame ourselves, we're afraid of our partner shaming us, all sorts of stuff. And the work is about trying to liberate ourselves, inching towards more truth, more honesty, especially especially if you're in a primary relationship because if you're not sharing your true sexuality with them, who if, especially if you're in a primary relationship that's monogamous, where else is this supposed to go? And that's where some people take it to their solo sexuality, and that's cool. They go into fantasy, watch porn. Their solo sexuality might be more honest. For most of us, that is the most honest thing. We don't have to worry about anyone else's thoughts, feelings, or their their thoughts or feelings about us or our thoughts or feelings about them. That's why masturbation, sex, uh, I'm sorry, masturbation, porn, and fantasy is probably a little bit more of an honest place. But again, the things we fantasize to, uh, the porn we watch doesn't mean we actually want to do that because sometimes we recognize I don't want to deal with what it would mean to really do that in real time. So this is the safe place to just really find it and engage it. And then for others, we wish we could, but it's about not having access to a partner or the specific partner with creates a problem somehow. So everyone has to kind of come out a little bit and be a little more honest with themselves and others um, and partners about who they are sexually. So this is global work. Um, But there's nothing wrong with being vanilla. And again, remember that It also depends on the partner. If you're with someone who's even more vanilla than you, well then they're the vanilla one and you're not. And then you can be with someone else who's a little more kinky and so then you are the vanilla person. It really depends. It's like sex drive. You're the higher desiring partner with someone whose sex drive is lower, but then it flips if their sex drive is higher at some point or with a new partner. Um, And before we get into what are the things you can do if you're a little vanilla to make it a little more kinky, also wanna call out that every time we have sex with someone, even if it's the same person, but especially when it's a new partner, we are almost a virgin again. We have to say, Who would, what would I wanna do with this specific person? Or what would I wanna do specifically today? Because our mood could change day by day, partner by partner, and we co-create things. So based on who you're having sex with, if it's different people, different things are gonna emerge, different levels of interest and willingness and desire. And again, also even sometimes with the same partner. Because there's something more honest in saying like, what do I feel like doing today based on what's going on for me today or based on this partner? What part of my body do I wanna see engaged? What would I wanna do with this person? So there should be some shifting and changing. So we're kind of always brand new again, always a little bit of a virgin again, always kind of starting over. Um, So when we come back, we're going to keep talking about what are some ways specifically going to drop a few things on you that someone who's more vanilla can kind of step into a more dynamic eroticism. But uh, we'll also be closing out on some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page in those DMs. Any questions you got, topics you want to hit, things you want us to circle back to, and as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, all sorts of good stuff. But um, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Be right back. Oh, all right, y'all. We are back and we're talking about ways that those of us who are, you know, a little more vanilla can still push on our boundaries, lean a little more into some creative, diverse sex. Because again, if we're in a primary partnership, that's one of the people we should be taking this all to, especially if we're monogamous. My God, if not to that person, then to who? Well, otherwise we're shaming ourselves. We're withholding. We're not being known. We're not building as much depth and intimacy as we could. Um... It's a really deep part of us. We've set that up culturally. We're so sex phobic that we really, it's it's the one part of ourselves that often is never mirrored because it's something we don't lead with or talk much about, especially in childhood. And then in adulthood, we're supposed to feel confident in it. Um, It doesn't really work that way. And that's why we're trying to get a little more sex positive, a little more sexually, you know, willing to talk about who we are. And every time with a new partner, we get the opportunity of saying, who am I now? Who do I want to be with this person? And kind of adding a little more fluidity um so what do you want to think about if you're someone who's saying like look i'm not ready to get into the whips and the chains and the bdsm i'm not that kinky but i do want to push in the boundaries a little bit well the first thing is do some research um (laughs) i know it sounds a little clunky but um just first think about like what does feel comfortable what have i thought about what have i always been curious about and one of the ways we can really tap into that is go to a sex boutique together go online to a sex store and just kind of click around a little bit and see what what jumps out at you Um, It might be something you never thought of. Something might make you a little curious. Um, I love that. That, that that sets the conditions around which some of these things can emerge because not everyone's really good at just pulling it out of their mind because not everyone's been giving themselves permission to let their mind wander. Some people shame themselves. Not everyone fantasizes or watches porn or has had a lot of sexual experience, so they don't even know what's possible or maybe they don't even know what they like. So it's a little bit of trial and error. And so if you're in a safe relationship with a mature partner where they're not going to shame you, then you can sit down or visit a store and let your minds wander and point to something and say, what is that? That looks interesting. And really challenge yourselves. Um, I think that's great. Another thing you should do is lay the conditions around which things can emerge. We often try to step right into sexuality. We're not great culturally with transitions and we need to transition into things. If someone's like, oh, why am I not working on my creative stuff? Well, because you can't just like get jump right into creativity. You have to say, what are the things I need to do that gets those that mind working and those juices flowing? What do I need to do that can set me up to be able to get into a creative space? Sex is the same way. We usually use words like foreplay, but there's actually things that come before foreplay even. Foreplay is actually just sex. We've somehow tried to separate it out and be like, well, penetration sex and foreplay is this other thing. No, that's all just sex. So what I'm saying is before we step into anything erotic foreplay or penetration, which both are actually called sex, um, what do we need to do to get in the mood? What do we need to do to get turned on? Not everyone even knows that. A lot of men in our culture do not know that. A lot of women are a little more aware of that because they're always living under the male gaze and everything's geared towards the male gaze. So they've been trained to know what men might want. Um, men, not so much. So if I say to a man, what makes you feel sexy? What turns you on? It's often about what they're looking at. It's often about the object or the other. It's not about themselves. They don't know what they need to do. They don't know how they need to look. They don't know what they need to wear. It's often very detached. And so that's, that's the second piece. What are the conditions you need to really get you in the mood? What do you need to smell? What do you need to see? What do you need to hear? How do you want to feel? How do you want to look? It could be all sorts of things, but I would usually say, start with the senses. That's a really good way. And that might be all someone needs, right? Well, we're going to start burning candles. We're going to start playing music. We're going to start talking more. Uh, we're going to play porn in the background. So we hear the sounds of sex. For some people that's a huge shift, and they've already, for them, jumped out, jumped out of vanilla with that. So really explore that. Ask yourself. Also, just getting into some more touch. Remember, there is more to us erotically and erogenously than just our genitals. Engage in the rest of your body. Take your genitals off the table and say, let's be sexual and have sex. That doesn't involve our genitals. It doesn't involve penetration. It's not even going to involve orgasm, maybe. We're just going to use the rest of our bodies. What would it mean to kiss, touch, massage, lick, use a toy on thighs, butt, back, arms, shoulders, neck? What would it be to really focus on pleasure and connection? Because I think sometimes we don't have pleasure connection because we're so focused on doing it right, thinking it's about erections and penetration and orgasms, and that gets us in our head and becomes performative and spectatory and rooted in right or wrong. Uh, where when we get away from genital sex and we say, let's just use the rest of our bodies for intimacy, pleasure, connection, fun, we then are more playful. And we actually can step into what sex should be about fluidity, exploration. So I really, really, really love that. And for some people, they just need to start with with massages, because that's, that's a shift enough they never lay there naked or they lay there with their top off really touching and exploring each other's bodies and so that might just be all the kink you need but for other people it's just getting familiar with pushing on their boundaries because that's really what this is about just confidently and comfortably because again it's sex it's supposed to be fun it should not have anything associated with it that is stressful or, or makes us feel bad And for some of us, just having the rest of our body touched and seen is huge and profound and lays the groundwork to keep pushing a little bit. And so that's why I work with some clients on what are the parts of your body you're open to having engaged? What are the parts of your body you're not and why? And what would it mean if you did? Do you wanna honor those boundaries? And sometimes, like I said, just having certain parts of ourselves touched and engaged and seen is huge and so healing and is really, really, really stretching ourselves. So check in on that. Um, And like, and then also like, let's talk about the senses. How are they being utilized or not utilized? What would it mean to add some of that? I mean, I kind of referenced that a couple minutes ago, but sometimes that's also all we need to push us over. Because remember, we're trying to just pull ourselves out of our comfort which really means we're trying to pull ourselves out of our habits and patterns and that's what a lot of us do sexually it's the same things done the same way often done at the same time in the same place and in the same order and that is so freaking boring <laughs> changing any of those pieces what when where or how is drastic for many of us and good enough but again we're pushing on our bed our, our edges we're pushing on our comfort with safe partners so coming up next, we're going to keep talking about a few more things we can do to kind of push on those edges. And then we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. But uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Oh, all we are back, and we're just uh, finishing up our talk about how to push on our boundaries. For those of us that are a little vanilla, a little reserved, a little cautious, what are some gentler, simpler, easier ways to kind of you know expand and explore? Because again, remember, doing it the same way, with the same person, at the same time of day, in the same place, in the same order, that is as boring as it sounds. And just changing one of those things can have profound impacts. And if we're always pushing a little bit, don't worry, we're not gonna land somewhere scary. We're not gonna become a full on kinkster. We're just trying to shift things a little bit, reprioritize because again, we usually like to stay safe and familiar. And you know, our partner will say, Well, I'm gonna take this stuff off the table because that makes me uncomfortable. And you're gonna take stuff off the table that makes you uncomfortable. And then we're just gonna do what's left over. It's called leftover sex and again, very boring very unfun, you know, some people don't have sex because the sex they have isn't worth wanting, it's not worth doing, and so this that's part of this. And so like I said, sometimes it's just the smallest changes. But before the break, we were talking about doing some research, going out, exploring, seeing what you feel drawn to, really asking yourself, what do I need to get in the mood? What are the conditions I need to create that really help me get into feeling erotic and being open? We talked about giving each other massages and really focusing on the parts of our bodies that we tend to ignore within sex. We tend to just focus on the genitals, thinking sex is only penetration. It's not. Sex is anything we do with another person that's rooted in pleasure, using our bodies. Sometimes it doesn't even use our bodies. And saying, what if I engaged no genitals at all and we just focused on the rest of our bodies? How much more intimacy? How much more pleasure? And that's pushing on our edges, always pushing on that. Um, Like I said, working with the senses. And another thing we talk a lot about is vocalizing. What would it mean if you spoke up more about what you're feeling, about what you're thinking, about what you're seeing? Adding any other layer to it is going to amp up the arousal and the pleasure. And that's a really simple way to do it. But we have to get comfortable vocalizing because a lot of us are very quiet. So practice with your first. Practice with yourself first if you're not comfortable trying it with your partner right off the bat. So do it when you're masturbating. Talk about out loud, start to get familiar hearing yourself talking, talking about what you're thinking, talking about what you see yourself doing, watch porn and talk about what you're seeing in the porn, talk to the characters in the porn, get familiar hearing yourself vocalizing during sex, and then at some point, start taking it to your partner, telling them what you're doing. That's the best part of dirty talk. We don't have to create this wild fantasy. All you have to do is talk about what you're seeing, what you're doing, what you're thinking. You just talk about what's in the moment as though you're walking through a home, giving a guided tour. It's kind of what it is. I also, for couples that are mature enough sexually to witness their partners being turned on and aroused, watching porn together can be amazing. And for some couples, it's the safest way to bring in others. But it's a really good way to see your partner in a different light and to, again, amp it up. You're hearing sounds, you're seeing things. But you have to make sure you're the right kind of couple that can handle that because for some people, that's very, very, very threatening. Um, Other things we can do is things like masturbating together watching each other masturbate, masturbating next to, because often that's a very private thing and it doesn't have to be. So to self-pleasure with or in front of a partner, very, very rousing and can be very intimacy building. A lot of us have never seen our partners masturbate and we don't even know how they do it, what style they prefer. And so that can be, again, a deep way to connect and build intimacy because you're showing your partner something that no one else has seen or has access to. And that's really special. I love that. I love us taking a partner that we want that kind of closeness with and bringing them into a more private personal part of ourselves. Again, we're talking about little changes that have big impact. That masturbation piece can be great. And then another thing, like I said, is excuse me, different times, different places and different behaviors. Just saying, instead of always doing it in the morning when we wake up, let's try doing it in the middle of the afternoon. Let's try doing it in the kitchen. Let's try doing it in different positions. Let's try doing it in positions where we can make eye contact. Let's try doing it with the lights on or bright enough where I can actually look at you and see you. Let's try talking about what we're doing or what we're thinking. Again, These are like little, little, little things. If you live in a place that is private, try doing it outdoors. But again, sex in public is illegal, so I don't recommend doing that. But sometimes there's private spaces at home where you can try that. And again, going back to the porn piece, watching porn together is a really great way to say, wow, that looked hot. Let's try that. Look at that position. I never knew that you could do that. Now I better understand it. Now I feel more comfortable. So there's like a lot that we can learn in porn. About what we like, about what we don't like, about what looks arousing to us, what doesn't, some new ideas, some new places. We can mimic it, we can role play it. Um, And then finally, I think toys. Toys is a really easy, affordable way to change pleasure. Having something on you or in you that's vibrating is profound, especially for people that have never allowed themselves to be penetrated, uh, especially for cis. Hetero men, that can be huge pushing on those edges. Anything a straight person does is straight sex. There's no such thing as that's for gay people or that's gay sex. It doesn't work like that. It's ridiculous. And we're talking about pleasure within the context of a partner who we want vulnerability with and we want to be known. Really awesome, beautiful stuff. So try some of that out. Try what makes you most anxious. That's really where our work is. Um, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to past episodes of the show over at, we are channelq.com. scroll down, look for it, click on it, binge post, listen, share. The reason why that's important is because we need that repetition. Repetition is what really helps us internalize and kind of change who we are. So, um, yeah, stick around y'all don't go anywhere. We got so much coming up next. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
1: This one says Hey, Dr. Chris, my boyfriend and I got into a dumb fight last night about social media. I tend to always be on it and always checking on people and family. And he doesn't see the importance of that. He never takes pictures with me, gets mad if he sees me on social media. I'm not on my phone 24 7. And when we are engaged in something, I never have my phone. But when we're on the couch, relax, and watching TV, I'll scroll a bit. Seems like such a dumb fight, so I don't really want to, but I also enjoy catching up with friends and getting information. Yeah, you both need to, in a very loving, calm way, talk about expectations. Um, because I like what you kind of called out there when you're with a human being, be with the human being in front of you. If a human being turns to you to say something, start a conversation or connect human beings come before phones. No human being should be told, hold on a minute. I'm texting. Hold on a minute. I'm swiping. Hold on a minute. I'm emailing. Oh my God, that's a person. Don't be so self-centered and borderline sociopathic by putting a technology in email or text which this other person might not even read for hours before the human being in front of you. So I like that you have that covered. Anytime our primary partner makes a bid for our attention, my God, you turn and you say, hey, what's up? Or you very least say, hey, really important text, deep in it, I'll be right back with you. So you at least frame it and call out what you're doing. But if you're present when you need to be present, when you are in your own downtime, you're allowed to do whatever you want. You can be looking at porn, whatever you want. You You get to do what you do with your free time. You have to let him know, hey, hon, when you want to connect with me, I'm down to connect. And if you want me to watch a movie with you, let me know. We'll cuddle and I'll watch it with you because Dr. Chris has taught us that shared experiences are important where we're both focused and experiencing the same thing at the same time. We can connect to each other, watch it, talk, reference it. However, when you're just flipping around and doing whatever, you're checked out from me as much as I'm checked out from you on my phone and say to him, there are times I want to be on my phone. And get him to understand that say to him, if you reach out and want to connect with me, I will put my phone down and connect. But if you're not trying to connect with me, I don't need to be sitting there idle waiting. So you have to really just talk it out and give yourself permission to do that. Or maybe go in the bedroom, you know, give yourself an hour or two in the bedroom, crawl up into bed, swipe around. And maybe that, that distance that you take will make him understand that you're not trying to connect and then he won't personalize it maybe go outside and sit on the stoop maybe go for a walk and do it maybe go in the bedroom or let him know i'm happy to connect when the time is there but right now i'm just checking in on my friends and family and and get him to agree to that say i need you to be on board with that because i don't want us to be fighting over this i'm available when i need to be available but this is also how i spend time coping self-soothing self-care and checking in on people i care about because what's he doing just watching a movie so he's checked out what's he doing clicking around he's checked out you know no different um just say that's me time, but get him on board with it. it. It's very understandable. I appreciate him being frustrated if he was trying to talk to you and you were doing it while he was trying to talk to you. That's not okay. Or he wanted you to watch something with him and you're on it. But um, in your private time, you get to do what you want. You know, This is, again, technology is something I could talk about every night because it's something that's creating problems, getting in the way. So I'm glad that you're thoughtfully trying to be better about it, but you wanna get him on the same side and have him think about it the same way because you shouldn't have to keep fighting about this. And if you can have one of those really good solid conversations about expectations and boundaries and what need is getting met, then maybe you don't ever have to come back to this. Um, again, cell phones, people come first when you're with people, they should not even be in vision or in sight. Um, I tell people sometimes like I say on the show all the time to plug it in and go use it in the corner. So you can't spend too much time on it. Do one thing at a time. Don't be multitasking. Um, that's kind of the best we got. It's an intimacy buffer, it's definitely a way to block, but there are times when we're not trying to connect and we don't wanna be connectable and we wanna be doing what we're doing on our phone and that's cool too. Um, Just like people do with video games or if they're reading a book. Like what would you say if you're reading a book? This is the same thing, you're just doing something for yourself, a little um, auto-regulation or self-regulation. So anyway, get it resolved, enough about that. That is our show. (laughs) Y'all have a good weekend, drop the bar for yourselves. Make sure you focus this weekend on tons of rest, 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 rest tons of pleasure what can you do this weekend that's rooted in pleasure and joy and also tons of self-care what are you going to do that just feels nourishing and restorative you know maybe that's the rest and the pleasure be kind to yourselves though and be kind to those around you we need to still drop the bar still still some tough times so go easy give yourself a break give those around you a break um we'll be back on monday though so you guys have a good weekend take care of yourselves be safe as always y'all thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night see y'all soon